to the Compound Podcast. This is episode 194, presented by Connect Roasters Coffee Company out of Bourbon A, Illinois, just south of Chicago. ConnectRoasters.com for all your coffee needs. If you want to up your coffee game, if you want good coffee every single day, Connect Roasters has the Home Run Club, where you can subscribe, monthly subscription. Coffee will be delivered to your door. And whenever the Cubs hit a homer at Wrigley, you'll get some dinger dollars back. If you want to sign up now, code compound club for 25% off your first home run club shipment, or you can just go online, try out a bag code compound 15 for 15% off anything on the website. We got a lot to get to today. Okay. About time. We got some guys signing. We got some news some baseball news. And then I, uh, I sent a little message out there on the Twitter and we got some questions from the fans. So we're going to, I want to start with Corbin Burns gets traded from Milwaukee to the Orioles. There was some, there was some chatter. You know, they had they had some tough arbitration process last year, and there was some chatter that they might try to trade Burns, especially Woodruff was out, and they might try to trade Burns. But it kind of felt like this point of the offseason, it wasn't going to happen. And then the O's just middle of the night swoop in. Tom's sad. I was going to say is sad. Yankees but, fans I are mean, shaking in their boots. Did you see what Boone said? Uh, could be I a problem. Yeah. He was like, that could be a problem. Well, it's just like that That team has a bunch of young position player talent. They had a couple pitchers who really stepped up second half of the year and threw really, really well. Um, bullpen was really good last year, and now they get you know certified ace, like a number one for pretty much would be a number one any team in the big leagues. Cy Young candidate to be their ace. Not a big I'd deal. Say- that's really what they were missing last year. Like yeah. going into the postseason, like they had good starting pitching, like you said, but it was more like a handful of two to three starters. Like not like your number one. Like we're giving this guy the ball every fifth day, and we expect to win that game every single time. Like, well, and, and they also, I was going to say the the new uh, the new owner. Like you don't know if they're going to come in right away and extend them. Like they're going to try to make a splash, most likely. And I feel like that's happened before, right? In the past, where they a new owner come in, like fuck it, let's spend right now. And no I mean, contract. He's oh. a free agent after next year. I mean, yeah, if you in, make he's that in his last year, Arb, I think it's something like fifteen. I, I think closer to 15, nineteen. Six. Okay, fifteen six. Yeah, so fifteen six for your ace is like basically free compared to Literally. what the like that guy in the free agent market is going to be making 30 million bucks a year, 25, 30 million bucks a year, depending on the length of the deal. So, I mean, he's a, what you know. top three, five, top three starting pitcher, top five, not, not to at Ian. least top five, not to Ian. Stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pro- he's, I mean, he's probably top five. He's been, so he's been consistent. He's taken the ball like every day. The last couple of years, it's been super consistent kind of since 2021, 2020 end of 21, maybe middle of 21 and then 22, 23, 24, 2223 have been unbelievable. So shout out to those and the new ownership for going and doing this. Um, and you... and the other guys in their rotation, they're really good and they had really good second halves, but they're also young. And like to be able to learn from him and to have him kind of be the ace and the guy that's going out and competing against the other number ones and let those other dudes in the two, three, four role, you know, start to get comfortable and really make strides. Like, I think it's a great move. Wouldn't you think like you make that move like, you have to extend them, right? Like that's not like a rental. I know it's not at the deadline, so it's not technically like looked at like a rental, but like, I feel like you make that move. It's with every intention of extending them. Yeah. I think, I think they'll do one of two things. I think the free agent, you know, new ownership, so you have to figure out what they're going to be willing to spend, but free agent market next year for pitching is really, really good. So they probably get to know them in spring training you know, maybe spring training is the time where they work this out. You know, they have seven weeks before opening day to work this out. I'm sure they'll try. And if not, free agent market or uh, next offseason is great for starting pitching. So maybe they go out and get somebody else and they can always try to extend them at the at the all-star break or at the end of the year. So I think they'll have a lot of opportunity to do it, but they'll get their eyes on them and get to see them in person, get to know them before they have to make a decision. Can I read you his last four-year stats real quick? Just a couple of the key stats. Please. Uh, in 2020, shortened season, obviously, 59 and two-thirds innings, 88 punches, 102 whip, 211 ERA. In 21, 167 innings, 234 strikeouts, uh, 0.94 whip, 
and a 243 ERA. Uh, 2022, 202 innings, 243 strikeouts, 0.97 whip, 294 ERA. Last year, 193 innings, 200 punches, 107 whip, 3.3 ERA. If you're staying around a one whip as a starter, that's crazy. That's nuts. That's bro. so crazy. And so in or, uh, Dakota, tell Wait, me for the, tell me for the people. Ahead. Go ahead. For the people, whip is walks, hits, innings per pitch. inning pitch. So, so basically, basically a, ba- a base runner. Base. A base yeah. runner. Yeah. yeah. So he allows letting, one base runner an inning. Yeah. One base runner an inning. And for a guy that only lets one base run on an inning, he also has 200 punch outs a year. So when that guy gets on, it's not like they're stringing a bunch of hits together. Like he's guy hits a double. He's probably going to punch out the next dude. And what's hard about whip, what's hard about whip real quick, Zach, is that with whip, like you get zero, like obviously you let no one on, like that's the best you can do, but like you could let six guys on an inning and that's like a huge number. That's going to skew it, like jump your whip up. So like, it's hard to lower it but really easy to raise it. So to keep it at a one or 0.94, like that's insane. So Dakota, tell me if I'm wrong, but like usually if a guy throws, like if they have side spin on their heater, that means it's spinning pretty inefficiently, right? Like, yeah. And that's like a deficiency in their mechanics or like, you know, they're yanking, getting on the side of the ball, but he is like him. And, you know, you can think of a handful of guys, obviously Mariano, but like who have, who have embraced, you know, the cutter, like cut fastball, you know, where this guy's throwing 95, 98 with the cutter basically as your primary heater. Like that's, that's tough. Like usually guys are like, yeah, this, you know, this guy throws a nasty sinker or his, his four seam is so straight that it looks like it's rising. Like his is going the opposite way. It's also it. You're right. Like it's one of those, like you don't want it. But if you can get like the cut ride on it, which he has, and yeah. you can like take advantage of it, it's disgusting. But yeah. usually, yeah, like you don't want like, oh, you're just like minorly cutting it, but it's not really right. Like it's kind of like a dead fastball, but his is more of like taking off and cutting. And it's at, like you said, 95, 98, which is it's crazy. Like, hit. It's it's just funny. Like, you know, whenever guys go on the track, man, or Rapsodo, they're like, yeah, you know, this guy has an inefficient heater. Like it's probably not your best bet. And this guy's just like, no, nah, fuck it. I'll throw it. Yeah. I'll, I don't know. I'll punch. He's also so, got a 4.2 career K to walk ratio, which is please. also just very good. His his cutter has depth. His like, when it's away, it doesn't have as much depth. It's kind of like a really short back door. Away, away, he, to, away to you as a lefty. Away to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm it's, sure. his arm side, it's shorter. And just like he'll start it off the plate and run it back to the outside corner at 97. It's really good. But then when it's middle or when it's coming into me, so when it's middle or to his glove side, it actually does have depth. Yeah. yeah. Depth so that's probably, I mean, it's give, it's giving it more time to move, right? I mean, he's yeah, throwing which is, it, which is crazy. That's, and I'm sure, like Zach said, like guys that can use that to their advantage, I'm sure he has like two ways of throwing it. He's like, all right, I'm going to throw the tight little one at 97 on the black, or I'm going to throw like a mini slider in on his hands and he's screwed and like as a hitter Ian you can attest like hitting lefty you see it start off the plate and it just breaks back that little bit and all of a sudden it's a strike like what the hell is that and then you're like all right I'm ready for it and then he throws one that starts out or third and next thing you know it's in off the plate you're like you can't do that man you can't do that another person class a too from the guardians a closer obviously throwing like I remember I faced him in 21 and it's like the first pitch to me you know obviously you've heard about him forever and like First pitch to me, it's like 101 or like 98, whatever it is. And you can like starts up and in and you're like, oh, my God, my face is gone. (laughs) And it comes back like borderline a strike and you look up and it says 99 cutter. And you're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, um, and does his have uh, that's what I'm saying. Like he it's funny. He actually slow went up for me and threw me a slider. And I remember I hit one and I yanked it down left field line. I'm like, what? Come on, bro. Thank you. Just throw it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um. Ian, if you – I don't know if you remember or not. I'm sure you have. You faced him 100 times. Does Burns's cutter have, like, a dot on it or no? Uh, uh, not a, a little dot. bit, like – A little bit when he, like, when he, like, backs it up by accident, but not, like – not like a dot. It's more like a – it's just more forward-looking. So, when I faced Ryu, I believe, with the Blue Jays in 21, he was throwing these backdoor cutters. And I don't know if it was – it was like that weird time of day where, you know, the sun was 
Sun was out, Sun wasn't out. And I remember taking some like back door and I'm like, that is moving like that much. And I it, it just looks like a white baseball. So like yep. the obviously the better that it looks more foreseen, the better, obviously. But I feel like you can get away with it. Cause I remember facing Classe and he 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 gets on the side of it, I think probably a little bit more. But again, it's at 98 to 103 you can kind of get away with a little bit of a dot and i was just curious if his looks a little bit different than other guys well the other thing that burns has done is he's developed a change up in the last two years so he had the cutter he had kind of like this cutter curveball mix and he would throw cutter curveball and it was kind of like a two-pitch guy and then out of nowhere him and woodruff both find these unbelievable change-ups and so now he's throwing 84 to 88 mile an hour changeup going the other way. So his cutter's going one way, his changeup's going the other way. It has great depth. And like that was. They probably look the same too out of the yeah. hand, right? And I was like, in 22, yeah. I'm like, yo, you can't just, you're already this good. You can't have another pitch. And then he starts throwing this changeup. It's like, God damn it, dude. That's not fair. But I just wanted to say, last thing on Burns before we move on, you know, he had a really good year when he came up in 18, comes up in 18 out of the bullpen for them. 30 games, 2-6, goes 7-0 out of the pen. Then in 19, he really struggled, and they sent him down. And I actually remember, I think we faced him in, in triple ball in San Antonio, and he was down with them. Yeah. I got my gears a little mixed up when I said how long he's been good. But then in 2020, he's like unbelievable. And he, he found this cutter, and he started throwing the cutter. Because he threw a little bit. When he came up, it was a little bit like a sinker mix, and it was sharp. Everything was still firm, but... You know, he found this cutter in uh, in twenty, um, and he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball since. And I think one of the one of the stats that you know we always talk about is just with starting pitchers is just how healthy they are. And you know, for him, twenty eight appearances in twenty one, thirty three appearances in twenty two, and and uh, thirty two in twenty three, um, two hundred innings pitched in twenty two, and then one hundred ninety three innings pitched in twenty three. Just longevity and like that's what you want at the top of the staff so good for the orioles good for him um good for the cubs he's out of your division plus out of the division i've faced him so many times god bless uh let's go to justin turner first i want to talk justin turner goes to the blue jays um great signing justin turner sneaky justin turner was a, a little bit of a late bloomer um, you know, he was up with the Mets and then goes to the Dodgers and becomes Justin Turner. Wait, but... hang on, hang on. Say that really quick. I think I saw a tweet today. I actually liked it. It was like 10 years ago to the day that, yep, 10 years ago today, the Dodgers gave Justin Turner a chance. He rewarded them instantly by hitting 340 his very first season, turned into one of the late, the best late bloomers careers we have ever seen. Justin Turner, before uh, he got traded to the Dodgers, his last year, he was never a uh, hundred OPS plus guys. So that's league average. He was never a league average hitter. His last year with the Mets, uh, he gets two hundred and fourteen plate appearances. He hits two eighty with a three nineteen on base and a three eighty five slug, good for a seven oh four, which was league average in twenty thirteen. Uh, and then from then on, he's you know, 150, 140, 150, 150. It's just like ridiculous. Justin Turner is sneaky, 39 years old. Bro, year. he yeah. just does it, bro. He just plays, bangs every That's what year. I was going to say. does it, bro. I feel like he's a guy Zach would be in love with because, I mean, like, he hits he's not trying like, to follow that guy's footsteps Are you kidding but me that's what i mean he's not like the big like sexy like hits 40 50 homers like he hits like 15 to 25 a year but like he just gets hits like he Bro, refuses made, to stop getting hits made a swing change just you know bet on it i don't want to say bet on himself but like anytime you make a swing change you're kind of betting on yourself you know and if you if you've ever seen the two swings side by side there's a significant difference of like what he used to do and what he does now Mm -hmm. And that's just a testament to, you know, just never, you know, never giving in and just knowing that it's in there. It's in your back pocket and you're just going to bet on yourself and figure it out. And yeah, I mean, he's put, put together such a good career. Uh, every time we play against him, like he'll hit a, he'll hit a homer that you're, it's just like, just pure spin, pull side homer. But yes, he also bro. like, I've been so impressed by his ability to go backside, hit a ball through the four hole when he needs to. 
like just a super professional hitter always puts on a great at bat he's got a really good eye uh and and walks a ton like super good plate discipline just a fun guy to watch and it seems like a beauty too seems like a beauty feels like every team that he goes to loves him Uh, i was kind of surprised absolute gamer I was kind of surprised that the Red Sox didn't try to get him back. Um, you know, obviously they've kind of come out and said without saying it that they're not going to spend that much this offseason. Um, I think he came out and said the Red Sox for me, if they offered me, was going to be a no-brainer. I wanted to come back, and they kind of let him walk. Um, well, like you but, said, Ian, how he's 39, like in his age 38 season, he just hit 276 with 23 homers, 96 ribbies, 800 OPS, 114 OPS plus. Like, you know, I mean, doing it. guess what? Can still hit. You know, um, yeah, and just going to be an impactful player for that team. Uh, good signing by them, and kind of sick. Like another veteran guy in that lineup, bro. Like, you yeah. know, Bichette and Guerrero are obviously coming up on those you know veteran years where they've been around for four or five years now, and you just add another guy to. You would like to see them kind of get over the hump. Um, it just feels you know they get into the playoffs or sneak in what, the last two years, and they haven't gotten out of the first round? Like, last year, they lost to the Twins in two games, and then the year before, I think, the Mariners, right? Yeah, I mean, he's just he's going to sit so, right yeah. in the middle of that lineup. He's going to drive in a bunch of runs uh, and give them consistency. Probably going to play a little bit of first, but most likely just DH. And, you know, for them, they did a really good job with the Brandon Belt signing last year of having him, but he mostly only hit against varieties, so now their DH will hit against everybody and just stick them in there every day let them play 150 games and and smash baseball so uh great signing and i I think that i know that he's signed with uh al teams the last couple years but i just think the dh being on all 30 teams like that a guy like this should always be in baseball and like now that dh is in all 30 teams there's competition for him you know everybody is looking for a bat like that so i think it's just a good thing for baseball for sure and he would look really good in a pair of Bruce Bolts. Woo! Bruce Bolts, batting gloves that I use. Got a baby blue pair. Got a white with baby blue, baby blue pair. The gloves that Zach uses. Yep. You love your Bruce Bolts, Zach? Love them. Most durable batting gloves I've ever used in my life. You actually you actually texted me a few days ago and you're like, dude, these things are unbelievable. I'm te- I've, I've used two pairs all offseason. Two pairs. Everybody knows how much you try to hit in the offseason. Two pairs. Give reference for how many you usually go through. I mean, if there's any dampness in mine, especially during the offseason, I bang them, throw them out. I probably go, I used to go through like, you know, close to 10 pairs in the offseason, just and legitimately two pairs. And they say, the people at Bruce Bolt say you should have two pairs and then you should switch them on and off if they get a little bit of moisture, just so they can last longer. So and that's Bruce what Bolt I've been doing now. Like I've abused one pair and kind of just switch on and off. BruceBolt.us. Bruce Bolt's gonna be sending us a little package, boys. We're reading a little package of Bruce Bolt stuff. We're gonna get to show it off. Hell yeah. Uh on the pot. So BruceBolt.us for all of your baseball needs as we get into the season. Bobby Witt Jr. Woo! He's rich. Paid, paid. Hey that man. Paid. Can I tell you what I like about this deal? Yeah, I had a little I had a little thing the other day where I said these early extensions guys not going through the art process. Another guy who's out of the art system. We don't love it, but you know what I do love about this deal? I love that he has a bunch of opt outs. We text mm-hmm. when we were texting about this earlier. The kind of first thing I said was like, damn it, he's not going to go through the art system. And then I saw the opt outs and I said, you know what? Good for him, because I think my math was something like it'll be a seven year deal for 140 it'll be like seven for 144 if he opts out the first time it'll be like 144 or 154 somewhere in there if he opts out after the first one he'll be like 30 years old and then he'll be able to get another big one so i like the opt-outs weighing on that uh and he's got a bunch of security and he's super paid he he's so good bro so and I don't know if you've played against him much. Probably just this last year once, right? Just last year, yeah. He, you've seen him play shortstop. He throws a little unconventionally, right? Like it's from like a lower slot. It looks like he kind of pushes it a little bit. He made, I think I've talked about it before. Yeah. He made some probably close to four or five plays against us in a series. And like each one, you're kind of like, 
I don't want to say waiting, but like he's young, you know, like see if he rushes he, it a and little. He str- and he struggled his first year. It, that's so time. exactly. So I was like, all right, let's see, you know, it, it just kind of happened like play after play after play. He was just making it. And then like the last one, I'm like, Jesus, like this guy doesn't miss, bro. And I, I got to second. I told him, I said, hey, bro, like we're all talking about you in there. Like, keep going, man. This is fun to watch, you know, just like making athletic play after athletic play, tough hop, you know, kind of just getting it done. And to put a lot of confidence in somebody that young and just sitting them out there in shortstop every day and just doing it 30-30, like you kind of had to wonder when they were going to present this with him. He's he's literally the fastest person I've seen. Oh, my God, bro. Like there was I, – I had a play – a few plays. I was at third this year. I think he hit three balls to me. And you know, like it was routine. I got it four seams like right away. And I was like, all right, great. Here we go. And I picked my head up. And I was like, hey, brother, you got to go. You know, like there was one where it was like bang, bang. And I was like throwing the ball around. And I'm like trying to like comprehend. Nah, I'm like, you knew you had him. You knew. No, you but him. like there's some where you're like, all right, that was calculated perfectly. <laughs> I took an extra shuffle, like got him by still like five, 10 feet. Like this was like, hey, you know, you have to go. I went and I was still was like, that was a little uncomfortable. Like I, I just didn't love how close that was. And I'm like throwing it back to the pitcher and I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Like he flies. We had a play this year where he hit a chopper to third base. I can't remember who was playing third, but he beat it out. And it, it was just like the most routine play. And yeah, he broke it, it and he beat it out. And you're just going, I know this guy's fucking fast because that that doesn't happen. That's that should, that like, should be an out every time. The way that he hits it, it, like he finishes and like he's ready going to first. So that's like a half a step right there. And God forbid he gets out on like one foot, you're, he's safe. That's a hit, and then it's a double because he's still on first pitch. He's well, a sorry. No, I was just gonna say, and with the contract, like Zach made the point earlier, like taking the money, like obviously we hope never hope for injuries or anything like that, but like taking that security of like when you're a speedster like that, like the risks of playing that hard and running that fast, like he could blow out at any time. You miss time, all of a sudden you're in an Arbier and you missed. 80 games because you had a hamstring injury or whatever it may be. Like now he has that security of like, all right, like we can still just keep going and doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And he bangs, like he bangs, bro. And again, like, I don't want to say it's unconventional, but like, it's just like, he, and it's just like, all right, he's got 30 homers. (laughs) And just credit to the blue Jays for, they were one of the teams who had never signed a hundred million dollar deal with a player. Royals. Sorry. Royals, I'm thinking about another team that is blue, and we just talked about Justin Turner. Rewind. The Royals, credit to the Royals. They were one of the teams that never had a $100 million deal. Um, This guy's a special player, and they made the commitment. So I think Salvi's was their biggest contract. It was 82. Yeah, and it was like four for 82 or something. Yeah. (laughs) You do love to see that. I thought that same thing when I saw that deal. I was like, I can't think of the Royals in any like big contracts. Like you like to see those smaller market teams pay, like just go get their guy. It's like, all right, who, this guy could be our star. Like let's pay him and keep him around. They, who else did they get this offseason? They signed Seth Lugo to, I think three years. Um, I want to say there was a bat too. Um, I don't know, but while you think about it, let me look it up. If you're a Royals like I'm fan, trying to find it for you. If you're a Royals fan and like Alex Gordon was there for a long time, you know, Low Kane had to walk, Hosmer had to walk, Mustakas had to walk from those really good teams, all that whole bullpen walked. And then, you know, you had Salvi and Alex Gordon, who were the guys that stuck around. If you're a Royals fan, and now you get this guy who's going to be the face of your franchise after Salvi's gone for you know the foreseeable future. Uh it's got to be really nice for the for the fans. It was it was, it was uh, pitcher, Hunter sorry. Hunter yeah. Renfro and then Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson, Kyle Wright, um, Michael Waka, too. Yeah. Like they Waka, made some sneaky. Moves. Yeah. Sneaky. Had some really good years last few years. They just really. signed Adam Frazier, too, more of a defensive guy. It's like it's nice to see that though, like going on the paying him, like teams on the come up that have been rebuilding for a little while, like since they yeah, they won a championship since they won. Oh, yeah. Like they kind of, you know, did a rebuild. And now it's like, all right, like we have some young guys that are ready to go. Let's go get them some help. 
so we can compete. Dude, they the central's wide open. Bro, the central's always been wide open. They had some young guys, bro, who again they didn't win many games for one reason or another, but there was just some guys in that lineup where you're like, I can see him being really good. Yeah. Um Michael Garcia. He I want to see what his numbers were this year. Um Let's see. Zach's been struggling on the podcasting today where he starts something and kind of pauses for a while. Well, I don't know his stats right off the (laughs) fucking. I mean, so he's 23 years old. He hit 272 with a 1.1 war, 23 bags, um, only an 88 OPS plus, but played basically, he had 464 AB. So you only think, you know, he's projected to have a 725 OPS this year. Um, I don't know. I think getting somebody like that and he flies, same thing. Getting somebody like that at bats the whole year in kind of a lost season does a lot of good for them. For sure. Getting that development, just that experience. Last thing before we get into fan questions. I just saw this and I thought you guys would appreciate it. The Cubs just released their coaching, minor league coaching staff. The AAA team has six coaches. They have a manager, Marty Peavy, who we love. They have a bench coach. They have a hitting coach, an assistant hitting coach, a pitching coach, and an assistant pitching coach or pitching development coach. When we were coming up, you had four coaches. You had the manager. You had the hitting coach. You had the assistant hitting coach who was not even assistant hitting coach, but there was also like the fourth coach. Generally, that guy would like coach first base or generally he would coach first base. And then you had a pitching coach. Now they have six coaches. Does that surprise you? I mean, I saw that and they have six coaches at like every level. Like every level has five or six coaches and bench coaches. I was like, whoa. That's going to be a crowded dugout is all I think of. I hope they can get a first base coach because in AAA when we or uh, yeah it was just always a pitcher who wasn't pitching and it would just rotate. The pitcher wasn't pitching was coaching. They'd stand first. over there freezing cold in their sweatshirt, just standing there like this, be like, I don't know, I think one out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of the guy. Yeah, he'd have a stop. He'd have a stopwatch, and you'd be like, Hey, you get the pitcher's time. He'd be like, What? Hey, stand over the there trying to just like click it on, trying to click it on one second every time. No, yeah. I did it. I did it one time when we played in Toledo. I was the first base coach because our coach was like one of our coaches was gone for that week and I was locked in. But you need like the right person. Like some people are locked in. Some people are like, I don't want to do this. I'm more of the like I'm screaming back like I'm begging for him to pick over. I'm like, I used to be the same. I dude, it's it's fun being it's a different game over there. Like, well, especially for pitchers that all you do is pitch like you get to be a part of like the other part of the game. I thought it was fun. I think, yeah, like you should have coaches for it. You know what's going to be tough? Six coaches on the bus. That's that's a couple of seats for the boys. That's you would hope that is some. You would hope up. they can get another bus. I mean, uh, you would hope the, the coaches levels, are doubling up, but they're probably not. So in the lower levels, you definitely will only have one bus. I'll tell you, as the broadcaster who's getting fucked there, it seems like the broadcaster's getting fucked. Their seats to go. That's usually the first place they're going from. Oh, they're yeah. doubling up with a trainer for sure. Oh yeah, which is brutal brutal oh it's it's terrible to double up on a bus trip the best was in double a was the first time that we had two buses and it was like oh you got your own row this is great you know you can sprawl out a little bit you're going from tennessee to pensacola which is 12 hours you know you're getting there (laughs) at seven in the morning um and then we were talking i was talking to a a guy this who is at sacred heart he's with the dodgers now it's his first year last year and I asked him about the the um the travel because he was in, I think Rancho something whatever the Dodgers Rancho Cucamonga yeah w- w- uh, the Dodgers and I was like oh how's travel out there and he goes oh it's fine I think the farthest is like six hours and I'm like oh my god dude we were there and remember in Dakota and short season in Eugene uh-huh. we were going from Boise to Eugene however far that is on the world's oldest fucking bus you can ever imagine. And you had in, in rookie ball or low A, whatever, short We season. didn't have enough seats. That's what – so there wasn't the roster rule. There wasn't like 26 to whatever guys. You we, could we carry had like, like 38 guys on our roster. Bro, so <laughs> you had you had guys on sleeping underneath you on this dirty-ass bus floor, and you're just like 
hey, man, I'm going to go to the bathroom right now so I, God forbid, don't have to get up and step on somebody's face walking back there. Yeah. Hot as balls, taking your shirt off in the middle of the night, driving through Boise, Idaho. And it's now, I mean, for for a, the better, but like the five or six game series, whatever it is with Monday off, it's great. You're not driving all over God's creation. They kind of have the the pod set up. Um, dude, I, I can talk about that 2019 year. My first year in AAA was insane travel. And I was only there for half the year when after I got hurt. Yeah, I mean, it, oh. the travel in the minors is nuts. What's the craziest like show and go you guys have had because of a bus trip? Because I can think of a couple where we had we showed up to a game one time at like six twenty, and I think it was a six forty five first pitch. What we never did we, that. We, oh, we had, we would always we would always just get in from where we would always have a layover in St. Louis when we were flying with Iowa. We would always have a St. Louis layover, mm-hmm. and you would get into Iowa. 12 or 1 o'clock, and it was like, hey, clubhouse is closed until 5. You'd have two hours to nap, go eat, and then you go to the field. My I mean, craziest yeah. one I can think – oh, go ahead, Ian. No, I was just thinking about going to bed after a night game at, like, midnight, having an alarm set for 3 in the morning Yeah, to get on a Southwest flight to connect through St. Louis, to get into the next city at, like, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock – and then just like the the absolute fog you're in when you get to the field to actually and then you actually have to play a baseball game. Like yeah, that. dude. And the same hitting, day. hitting hitting is hard enough. The starting pitcher would fly out the day before. So that guy's out there just well rested, probably had a massage the night before, sitting there and I'm like I'm sleeping on Dakota's shoulder in the airport. Like <laughs> I mean, dude, what the craziest one world? I can think of is we we played in Tacoma and yeah, I think it was 17 and we were there and like we went through like I think like some guys bags didn't show up. So guys were like sharing stuff to like do pregame warm up and whatever, like BP play catch. And it's like an hour before the game. Jerseys still aren't there. 45 minutes before the game. We still don't have our uniforms. And it was like 30 minutes before the game. And we like finally get our uniforms. Our starting pitchers like already warming up in the outfield. We had to like bring them out as jersey. We're like, hey, they got here. We're good. Like, we were going to have to, like, delay the game. We're like, we don't have uniforms. It was going to be shirts and skins. You guess yeah, what? They wouldn't have cared. Triple or double yeah. A, they wouldn't have cared. Oh, we still would have played that game. Yeah. It been, hey, this is the promotion, shirtless night. Yeah, exactly. This story has everything you guys have been talking about. We had a 16-inning game in Walla Walla, Washington on July 3rd. That's not a real place. <laughs> Walla Walla, Washington. Real place. The 16-inning game, July 3rd. The pitcher that's supposed to start the next day for the team was sitting next to me in the broadcast booth charting pitches. At some point, he turns to me and goes, you think I should leave? You think I should go back to the hotel? And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I, that's not my call. It feels like yes. So at some, he left in like the 14th inning or something. We just stopped charting pitches. Play a 16-inning game. We have a 10 a.m. 4th of July game because the oh city God, needs bro. the park the next day. And all the streets are shut down the night before. It takes us an hour and a half to go 10 minutes to get back to the hotel because they can't get home. So you get back to the hotel at 3 a.m. And then it's the next morning, bus time, 7.20. And we played at, at 10 a.m. at and it was 98 degrees at first pitch in Walla Walla, Washington. And we played a 16-14, four-hour and 12-minute game where we were trailing 16-9 to nine, entering the ninth inning. And we had started coming back. And you've never seen a team – less excited about scoring runs they we were like please just put us out of our misery and they kept we kept hitting doubles and it was like oh my god this game gonna go to extras and we lost 16 14 it was the greatest loss i've ever seen everyone in the boss was like we get to go to bed uh, all right at least the boys still raked yeah but you know the walla 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 washington team probably did you guys a favor and moved the, the game up an hour the next the night before so you can get that extra hour of sleep right that's what they do now. Oh, yeah, you have the, the 11 o'clock kids game. But don't guys, it's okay. The game starts at 6.05 the night before, okay? Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? I don't know if Ian is. Not a football guy. But everyone else in the world is going to watch the Super Bowl. You know you are. And DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered if you want to bet on it. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into $200 instantly in bonus bets. Guys, you've heard me say this time and time again. 
If you're going to start gambling, the Super Bowl is the right time to do it. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code COMPOUND. New customers can bet 5 bucks and turn it into $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with the code COMPOUND. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's get you guys right back in to some chop here on the compound. Let's get into the fan questions. Tom, why don't you hit us? We did on Twitter. We sourced some fan questions. Tom's going to read the question. He's going to say who it's from. And we're going to knock out a couple fan questions. Uh, This first one is from Leslie. She says, has Dakota determined any future plans since he indicated he was retiring after last season? What are you looking forward to? most two in spring training hell yeah yes yeah um i actually just got a job with driveline baseball out in seattle washington or kent washington technically so i will be moving out there end of next week and starting there as a pitching intern coach trainer type a little bit of everything can you say uh, can you kind of give some background on what driveline does and then yeah. what the role is so driveline is like, it's tough. Uh, like they, the main thing people around baseball know them for is their like weighted balls they have um, that help with like velocity and like just different pitching mechanics and stuff like that. Um, so it's kind of like across the nation. Like I know that I'll be helping with athlete, like pro guys go there in the off season while I'm there. It'll be a lot of like high school and college guys in the summer that come in and train. Like people come from all over the country to come train there. They have a facility there and a facility in Scottsdale. So guys will like come in and train and like do different things. Like they have like mocap, which is like a really high tech way of like tracking mechanics and stuff like that. Um, they also do what you call it, like over Zoom. What would you call that? Uh, whatever. Like they do like training over Zoom. What'd remote training? What'd yeah, remote, remote training. training. Remote was the word I was looking for. I couldn't Maybe think of the word remote. A job Tough there. word. I couldn't think of the word remote. That has nothing to do with my job. But yeah, so basically I'll just be, it's like a six-month internship that they usually hope to hire guys full-time after that. So for those six months, I'll basically kind of just be learning the ropes um, for the first couple of weeks. And then you, ju- you kind of like jump right in and help out athletes and pretty much do whatever they tell me to do is my plan. And driveline got very popular because they were one of the first their training facility you know and they do pitching and hitting but they were one of the first on the pitching side mm-hmm. to use rap soto to use high-speed cameras to do pitch shaping spin efficiency like they were one of the first people to really kind of dive into that and so they trained a bunch of big league guys they would teams would send their prospects or big league guys to driveline to make adjustments to change their arm stroke to do a bunch of stuff to get better uh, and they had some big success stories. Giolito is one of them. Um, but yeah. they had some big success stories with changing guys' mechanics, um, cleaning up their pitch mix, uh, and spin efficiency. And so now, and now they do hitting stuff. You know, there's been videos of guys going um, and doing kind of swing assessments, motion captures with them uh, in Seattle, and then kind of revamping their swings. Um, and uh, mocap motion capture for those people at home, it's like. I don't know if you Zachary and have seen it, but like, you're literally like in your underwear and they put like little, I don't even know what like a video game. They put nodes. Yeah. They put little nodes like all over your body and they're able to track like everything. Like you can track everything that happens in their pitching motion and then you can like look at it and analyze the data. And I think that's what I'm most excited about because that's what I even told them. I was like, I, understand some of the data like just from playing like and seeing it but i am excited to learn more about how to like 
apply certain, like, if you see a deficiency, like, Hey, what can we do to fix this kind of thing? I saw a wonderful video of the beautiful Patrick wisdom hitting in his underwear looking ripped as ever applying for the body issue. He looked, uh, he looked very wonderful in underwear and he's actually a, he's a Washington guy. So not, not too far from him. Is he really? Yep. I didn't know that. There was a second part of that question. They said, what are you guys looking forward to most about spring training? It was for you too. I think for me, kind of just seeing the offseason transformations kind of come to fruition and trust the stuff that I've been doing opposed to kind of just being a little bit in limbo. Um, feel pretty good where I'm at right now um, and trusting it. And for me, you know, hopefully a new opportunity to open some eyes somewhere else and go from there. And again, you know, meet a bunch of new people. This is my first time with with a new team in a few years so it's always nice to to experience like a new huh i feel like that's always exciting and nervousness yeah like nervous energy at the same time of like <laughs> i don't think i don't know if you know any, i don't think you know anyone really with the mets i don't know anybody like you had Foles with the tigers like one of your best friends so that helped but like with the mets it's like you're going to it's like when you get drafted like i know nobody like gotta go make some friends dude it's, it's crazy so when i got traded um to the Tigers, Foles got to the alternate site like that day. So he was ready there. And then Lang, same thing, like just got there. And I knew somehow that he was just there. Um, so it was like, I'm going to a new team, but I'm really not going to a new team. And I've played against those guys for two or three years before that, where the Mets, I've played against the Mets once in my career yeah, this year. And I got never- called up like during the series. And we never lined up with the Mets coming up. Ever. So, like, no. the Tigers didn't. The Tigers did in the lower levels. But in AAA, last year was the first time that we played Syracuse, and I got called up during that series. So I was like, I don't know any of these guys. So, yeah, uh, like I said, it's a little bit of excitement and nervousness at yeah. the same time, right? Absolutely. That's been, like, my thing. I'm, like, super excited, but it also feels like the new first day of school. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll say for me, I'm really excited. John Maley is – uh back he was my first hitting coach in the big leagues he's our assistant at the big league level this year so i'm super excited to to get a full spring to work with him you know he was around in spring last year because he was our triple a hitting coach but you know the fact that we're full-time together i'm excited for that he's one of my favorite people in the world and favorite people i've worked with in baseball i'm also i'm excited for council and to get to see kind of his how he runs Ooh, the that's game. right i forgot about that yeah we'll have some new faces some new guys to meet you know and so that's always fun but i think one of the other things for me i've been in the same place for a long time i the last couple years it was like coming off an arb deal and then going into the next thing or you know last year it was getting an arb deal done and then trying to work on an extension like just trying to work on an extension all spring and like trying to figure that out answering a lot of questions about extensions answering a lot of questions about future um oh, so going in going into a camp and like knowing that you got three more years of this and you know, that's, that's shit's guaranteed. Like that's pretty cool. I was cool, going to so. say, and you're getting paid this year. Yeah. It's just exciting to, Ooh. you know, that, that level of comfort is something you don't get very often in this game. And that's a, it's an exciting way to go into camp. Yeah. That probably takes a ton of stress away of, like you said, like there won't be a billion questions in your locker after a spring training game. Like, so like how the extension talks going, like you're good, you're set. Like that probably just but- is a weight off your shoulders. Ian, are you, are you going to be an absolute showman and go to the cage at, 8.45 before 9 o'clock meeting or what? Are you going to get in there even though you have your extension and inked? Yeah, you know that my my routine is early, early in spring. <laughs> I was going to say, Ian, Ian would be in there because I remember. Hey, hey, that was, yeah, but that was pre-guaranteed, brother. No, but. That was pre-guaranteed. Correct. But I remember like minor league spring would start at like, we'd have stuff at like 7, 8 o'clock, I feel like, and big league would be like 11 or like whatever, like 9 and Ian's there before like minor league guys, just because he's just an early riser. Like he's there I, at like dude, 6 a.m. I, I think again, this is this could be very premature, but like I think I no matter what, like I like getting there early just so like oh yeah. you have way more time to if like and if you're space. trying to get through something, bro, like hey, me and hey Ian, you're my coach. Like, hey, let's get this out for you know half hour in the cage, like whatever before kind of people really start rolling in and there's a line like when you get there a little bit late or like you have something to do like there's so many tests you have to do when you get there for spring like 
and you get there if open cage starts at seven, seven to eight thirty, and you walk in there at seven forty five, eight o'clock, like you're hoping you get in there. Like that's what like even just if you're like rolling out, like if you get bro, there when everyone else is in there, like there's no mat. I can only no. speak about the Cubs facility, which is awesome, but like there's no space to do yeah. anything if you're there at the same time as everyone else. So like, yeah, I agree. Getting there early is nice. Cause I think that's why I don't want to speak for Ian, but I think that's why he likes yeah. it. He can get all his stuff out of the way before everyone else starts piling in. I hate waiting. I hate sucks, waiting. dude sucks. And I get there, I get there early. I do my stuff in the weight room when nobody's in there. So I'm solo in the weight room. And then I'm grabbing the hitting coach and going like, when are you going? They're eating breakfast. Yes. Like, when are you going to the cage? Like, when are you going to the cage? I'm like, right now. Get off your ass. Let's go it, to the cage. It gives <laughs> you so much more freedom, too. Like, if you get, like, for infielders, like, you get your early work done before, at like, you go to the cage, your early work, and then, like, you have an hour-ish to do, like, if you want to go lift after you hit and throw, or if you have to do X, Y, and Z before you want to eat after you work out. Like, it's like, okay, now I can take a step back before – or if you get there late, you're like, oh, shit, I got this, this meeting at nine. Like, I'm screwed. Tom, next question. Next question it comes from uh, Fully Kraust. It says, do players ever reach out to their to free agents to talk up their team? Also, when it's contract time, either free agent or extension, how much strategizing goes on between player and agent, and does it change much? Uh, Go get him, mate. Like, I'd like me and Zach to take this one. Uh, Go get him, mate. <laughs> as soon as I heard it, I'm like, that is a Ian question. We have no idea. I mean, yeah, you definitely reach out to free agents. I think occasionally free agents got because once you're a free agent, you've been around for six or seven years minimum. So, you know, you have relationships with guys on teams. Uh, free agents will reach out to do a little background on the team, whether it's coaches, facilities, city, um, direction of the organization. Like guys will reach out and just say, hey, what do you got? You know, and it's like, that's a smart thing to do. If you're going through the process, like you're not going to go in blind, like you're going to call the people that you know and try to figure out if it's the right situation. So definitely have those conversations over the years. And I think guys on teams who know they're going to be there and going to be around like, yeah, if there's a free agent that's out there and your, your team's interested and you can reach out and be like, Hey man, we'd love to have like, cause if you're a free agent and you know that that team wants you and they want to be a, like, the guys that are already there want you to be a part of it. Like, obviously that's, that's cool. So, you know, being able to do that and reach out to guys and be like, Hey, we'd love, love to have, I know this is your choice and your career and like do whatever you want. But like Chicago is an amazing place. City's awesome. Like great place to raise a family. Like, come on, let's, let's do some special things. Do you think like, you don't have, I'm not like asking if you have, but I feel like it's a little different. Like in the case of Cody Bellinger, like, obviously like he knows probably that you guys all want him back and like he already knows about Chicago. So I feel like that's one where it's like, you don't really need to reach out. It's like, Hey man, like get your best deal. Like, you know what Chicago's about, you know, we'd love to have you. Everyone here loves you. Like do what's best for you kind of thing. Yeah. Like Dansby and I played together for a long time or against each other for a long time, you know, kind of minor leagues got drafted the same year, played against each other. So you know, Dansby was going through it last year. Like I talked to him before, like as the Cubs were trying to talk to him and he was fielding offers from a bunch of teams and we talked and sort of told him about Chicago and what I thought and everything. So you can have those conversations with guys that, you know, and like, obviously Cody's a dude, like he knows what Chicago's like. He's been there. He's played a full season there, like knows that we would all love to have him back, but like ultimately that's his choice. And that like leads to the next question, which is, you know, how much prep is there between player and agent? Like, there's a ton, I know for me, like there's a ton of prep of like going to the art process and then what that can mean for an extension and like planning out like, all right, how, what would this look like next off season? What teams might be interested? What possible landing places are there? Like if you have a team like the Diamondbacks that has three 22 year old outfielders, like mm -hmm. probably not going to be a place where you're going to land, you know, or like a team like I'm trying to think of a team who's signed a bunch of dudes to play in the outfield like Toronto, like they had a yeah, bunch of guys out there. It was like, you know, Oh, well maybe this guy's going to be a free agent or this guy's leaving. Like maybe that's a place where you could land. So you kind of plan that out. You know, that there might be five or six teams that are buying that next off season and things might work out like Texas, that kid comes up with Texas Carter, like, well, Texas isn't going to be looking for an outfielder because that kid's pretty good. Like you have all of those things that you kind of go through. Uh, and I think there's more communication between player and agent, just depending on the relationship. Like some guys might be like, Hey, 
you do this and like, let me know where the offers are. Uh, and then I'll decide, or some guys might be like, I want to be involved every single step of the way. I'm sure it's very individual based on the player. Do you think like, obviously, like if you ever got to free agency, like if like the Yankees are interested, like you could ask Rizzo about it. Like you could ask Schwarber about Philly nationals, wherever Boston, like, do you think there's ever times where like guys are being approached by teams where like, they just somehow don't know anyone that's played there. And like the team like has a guy reach out. Like, do you think they do that? Like, say, like, they For wanted sure. you to talk to someone that doesn't know anyone in Chicago. Like, does that happen? And I think, yeah, I think that will, like, the GM might ask a guy, be like, hey, can you reach out to this dude and tell him about, or they'll have a former player, like, like if I was the Cubs, I'd be like, can John Lester please call this guy and talk to him yeah. about Chicago? Like, you get to call, imagine, like, imagine if it's, trying to think of some of the team like imagine if the yankees had jeter reach out to a dude and be yeah. like jates you call this guy dumb about guess what i'm signing like, yeah like done sign the contract it's for like, free i'm sure teams will do that i'm sure that teams like when you know and even like a bobby witt case like that guy's going through extension talks like salvador perez or alex gordon or some of those dudes like yeah for sure you would if you're the team like you would want those guys to reach out and and talk about it. So I, I'm sure there is a ton of that. Tom, next question. Kind of on the same wavelength, answering a, a longstanding question. This is from Joe Dispro uh, about players, uh, players' thoughts on moving, such as Burns needing to change his spring plans two weeks before reporting with a family and a baby, or the free agents that haven't signed yet. I think for him, he's financially set. It's fine. It's I, I'm sure it's difficult, but. When you don't have a budget, it makes things a lot easier, I think. Uh, it still sucks. That is every year, and this is not even for spring. This is for the season. This is everything. Like every year coming up, they would give us like this survey. Hey, what can we do better? What do you want? This, that. I'm pretty, I would go on a limb and say 95% of us would put help with team housing or help with recommendations or like reach out to a an apartment complex, like kind of how it is now where – especially in the minor leagues, they kind of block everything off. But, you know, the big leagues is a little bit different where, again, money really isn't an issue to mo to some guys. Um, but that is 1,000% the hardest thing about switching teams. I was going to say, I can only speak like minor league level, but I remember in 17 or 18, whatever it was, I think it was 18, when I went from double A to triple A, and I knew zero people in AAA. So I wasn't like, hey, like, can I live with you? I literally got called up, spent two nights in a hotel, or I got my three free nights. They give you three free nights to figure out an apartment for the rest of the season and try to find a lease that'll give you a three-month lease. And then I ended up getting like a, a one-bedroom apartment for like 1500 a month, and it sucked. And I was like, this is so brutal trying to figure this out in a matter of three days. It is a ton better now that they control housing. So it's like with the control of housing, you get called up or whatever, get moved, get traded. Like they already have rooms blocked off, like Zach said. And I feel like that's made it a lot better, at least on the minor league side of things. I've never had to do this. Luckily, been very lucky on the same team. Never had, never had traded, never had to move. Moving is, it's horrible. It's horrible. Just move. I moved in Chicago. It's horrible. In I think I would. I, I would pay like. I'd be okay with like paying a pretty expensive amount to be like, hey, just make sure all my shit gets there. Do whatever you want with it. Just make sure it's in bags, and I don't care. But, well, I mean, packing and find and find, but like, find it. Like, I'll trust you. I don't care. Put it. Make sure yeah, it's a good area. Put it somewhere. All good. All good. Trust but you. I think the logistics of this, like especially if you're signing a long-term deal, like finding the house, doing like where you're going to live in the city, you have to figure that out. You probably have to rent for a year and then figure And it's like, I, I can't imagine getting traded that close to spring training. If you already had like a place locked down in Arizona that you were going to live and I got to go find a place in Florida, the guys that are, you know, haven't signed yet, are you going to be in Arizona? You're going to be in Florida. Where is that going to be? Then you have to set up housing for where you're at in the city. Like it's, there's just a ton of logistics going to it. And like, Sometimes agents help with it. Sometimes there are people from the team will help with it, but it's just, it is, a, it's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of, it's a lot of like things that you have to do and a long checklist and like 
not the most fun part of the job. And especially but, like they said in that tweet, if you have like a kid in a family, at least luckily, like Zach was saying, though, like big league guys, most I feel like probably 99 percent of them like have a house somewhere like yeah. say they live in Tennessee, but they play for Baltimore, like whatever, like they can just be like, all right, like their family's in Tennessee until they figure out what they're doing. So it's yeah. not like trying to figure out like, all right, like we need a two bedrooms. We need one for the kid and we need this and that, like that makes it a little easier in the bigs, but yeah, it's, that's like Zach said, probably the most stressful part of like moving around up and down levels traded. Yeah. Bro, and, when I, so I'll oh, go ahead. Well, you understand that it's part of the job. You understand right. that like, it's part of, it's part of what we do and it's just something that you deal with. And it's not like, well, we, we're very lucky for what we get to do. And that, if that's the worst part, like we're all right, but it, it can be a real head. I mean, bro, I got, so when I got called up this year, it was, it was supposed to be for a doubleheader. And again, Toledo and Detroit is 50 minutes away. So it's not the end of the world. But so like I get called up, I pack an overnight thing, like whatever, end up staying. And, you know, when they tell me, hey, you're going to stay up, they tell you right away, like, hey, we don't know how long this is going to be. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go back and forth a few times. So like when you get called up, you have seven days in a hotel for free. And then, you know, you're kind of on your own. So I asked if I could keep my stuff in my Toledo apartment for, you know, it ended up being until like June or July. And I was just like, Hey, I, I haven't, and they understood. Cause I was, I was in the team housing and I was like, listen, I don't know. You don't know when I'm, how long I'm going to be up for. Like, can I just leave my stuff in there and I'll kind of live out of my car for the next, however long. So like, you kind of have to wait and see like, you know, Am I going to stay up? What's the team looking like? What What is my situation obviously like? And then, like, again, it took me until June or July to pull a, the trigger on an apartment for the next three months. And if, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm playing well enough right now. Like, I'm going to bet on myself and rent an apartment for three months. And then I go, oh, for 30. And I'm like, oh, this is a good decision. I wish in this, this isn't possible in baseball, but I know in hockey, just from listening to like podcasts and stuff, like they have guys like that, that are like young guys and like they're with the team and they'll like, let them know, like whatever, 10 games in, like, Hey, like you're like, they'll tell them literally yeah. like, you're good to get an apartment. Like you're, you're staying up with us. But like in baseball, it's, they could say like you're good and like you said you go over 30 and some guy in triple a's raking and they're like what do we do like leave this guy here who's struggling just because it's hard yeah dude it's a place like yeah it's honestly it's probably better that they don't tell you that because like if they pull it back they'd be like hey you just told me i can get an apartment like what yeah the fuck yeah yeah and like depends on position like relief pitchers get screwed relief pitchers get they up and down so much starting pitchers yeah. hey, hey you threw four innings tonight brother we, you're not gonna be able to throw for a week like you have to go down yeah, yeah. and it's just like yeah imagine but that like, imagine you like hey man get a place and then like a month later they're like hey bro you're going you're gonna have to go back to the bushes like what hey but, you're, you're throwing you're throwing great we love you but you need to go back down but like you said ian by no means are we trying to say like, woe is me about all this? Because you get paid handsomely to do it. So it's not like a, Oh my gosh, like poor us, but it's like a, it is stressful, but yes, you do make a lot of money to do what you do and that, to deal with that. That year that I got sent down in 19, I was renting. So like, if you're, if you're up in the big leagues, you were and you renting get an a hotel room. Well, if you're, if you're up in the big leagues and you have an apartment, if you get sent down the team, the big league team takes the keys to that apartment mm-hmm. and you're not on the hook for the rest of the lease. So they can put somebody else in it. But what I had done is I had a 12 month lease <laughs> that I had just renewed in like January or something. And so I had a 12 month lease in Chicago, not thinking I would be sent down. And then I get sent down right before the season starts and I'm like, well, will you guys pay for this apartment? And they're like, nope, you signed the lease before the season. Like, that's on you, man. And so I had this apartment in Chicago that I was paying for. And I'm also renting hotel rooms in Iowa for 10 days at a time. And like putting my suitcase, moving out of the hotel and putting my suitcase back in my car. Hey, for- don't forget. Don't, don't forget. forget. We, off- we offered you a place. No, no, no. We <laughs> offered you guys, a place. And these guys made it would not let me live with them and eric you're, castillo was their third roommate and i was not this is this is the jerk. battle this battle and the battle of zach not saying goodbye to us when we left the compound or two that you guys will die on those hills that they didn't happen but this is so, exactly what happened 
Okay, well, Dakota, at least we know that Ian is perfectly fine lying, so people out there can side with me because no, he's because lying. I'm not Wait. lying in I'm not lying in either case. I'm no. on the right side of both cases. No, you're not. I am. You're Tom, one for you two. Headed? Going on a little stroll around the office or what? Laptop is about to die. We uh we I didn't charge it quite enough before the show, and I was like, oh, I think I'll get through it. And then now we're at like thirteen percent. So can't have that. Can't lose this recording, Tom. That'll be the end of the world. Can't make this content again. It's too good. It's one of them. Let's uh I think, I think why don't we give the people more? the screen times? We had a couple more questions that we didn't get to. We'll get to them next week. They were good questions. Uh let's give people the screen time. And I think my screen time is going to be a little high today. I'm just going to preface it. And say You're it. such a no. Shut I up. think it's going to be a little it's going to be like three hours and 22 minutes. And it's going to be like, yeah, it's a bad day for me. No, no. I'm oh, at. Can I tell a quick story? Oh, please. It's kind of just yeah. a dumb story. But... Brought to you by Sloan. Yeah. I just thought of it because I don't know why. But today, like, because I'm moving, I was like, all right. Like, I went and put air in my tires for my truck, like trying to get it ready. Um, and I needed a new windshield wiper because mine was just kind of messed up and I have a, a big Ford F-150 and I literally, I went and bought a new windshield wiper and I've bought new windshield wipers for this truck before I went and bought one I get home and I go to put it on. And it's for those that don't know, there are different sizes of windshield wipers. So it's a windshield wiper for like a car. So I put it on and it's going to wipe like ha- not even a quarter of the windshield. I'm like, this looks hilarious why don't you go get a new one i'm going to but i just didn't want to leave right away after i'm gonna get a new one another one tomorrow and return that one but like when i put it on i was like this looks like comically funny can you send a photo on the can you put a photo on social media so we can all see it i'll see if i can get like a good i need it to like really demonstrate how small it looks i'll see if i can get a good one tomorrow why don't you get a video from inside the car of the windshield wipers only touching a part of the i'll i'll do that i hope it's i'll like turn the uh where you put fluid. the wiper fluid on there, yeah. yeah, and then I'll turn it on and see how it does. Sloan is the world's leading manufacturer of commercial plumbing systems. Sloan is at the forefront of the green building movement. That was all from memory. And provides smart, sustainable, and hygienic restroom solutions by manufacturing water-efficient products, including flushometers, faucets, sink systems, soap dispensers, and fixtures for commercial, industrial, and institutional markets worldwide. To learn more, visit Sloan.com. I think Sloan should get like merch and they should just have like a flushometer shirt. That'd be awesome. Oh, I, I like that. Also, Ian, I almost guessed exactly what I said 322. I almost guessed your time when you said, Oh, it's going to be high. Like I was like, Yeah, it's going to be sub four still. Go ahead and say your time, Ian. 352 for me. 352. Julie and I were at the, uh, the old social security office working Ooh. on the name change name change if you get married a little name change not the easiest oh, really i never even thought of that i that's kind of figured it, was it just says like two hours and two minutes of social so i kind of assumed well, yeah, I'm it sitting was in like the, i'm sitting in the thing i mean i don't know what's all included in social i mean first of all i put this nice twitter pull out i sourced all the answers you're welcome i'm working hard while you guys are playing but also playing I'm in the I'm in the the thing, you know, you're it's like basically like the DMV and you're just sitting there like, what else are you going to do? Pretty bored out of my mind. I don't know why I kind of just assumed that, like, I guess I didn't even think I thought it was just like automatic. Like, yeah, like it's Julie Happ now. Like, it's not like she doesn't have to change it. Oh, no. I was like, oh, ah, no. like it'll do it for her. like the, the government's got us. The legal process of name change is a pain in the ass. So did you tell her to keep her name? Like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just keep it. Just save us all the headache. Just keep it. I think she wants that hap last name. It's got six. There's 61 million reasons why. Just kidding. She loves you for you. Five hours, six minutes. You're back on track. Good thing she doesn't listen. Five hours, six minutes. Tom? Uh, Four hours, 48 minutes. Tom, we've been tight. Like the past couple weeks, me and Tom have been like neck and neck. I like it. I know, but you're getting a full. Now you're getting a job again. Now I'm fucked. Well, and I'm going to be three hours behind you. Oh. So my times are going to be insanely low. So I'll keep the winner for last uh, 347. It's a good day. I'm proud hey, of you for that. Thanks. Zach, do you want to read your Sunday screen time? Dakota, would you like to read your Sunday screen time? No, thank no, you. Um, sure. why, I, why would we live in the past? I appreciate you for asking, but no, thank you. Those bars are both sneaking up on 10 hours. Oh, 914. That's really not that bad. I thought it was over 10. 
if it's sub 10 on a weekend, not that my weekdays right now consist of absolutely anything other than trying to find an apartment. But if it's sub 10 on the weekend, I'm like, it's a good day. Mine yesterday was 619. Oh, that's a great sign. Well, there was also no football, so that. I was up at 6 o'clock yesterday, too. Give me a break. No days off. 645 yesterday. We'll all do if yesterday. Oh, let me. Ian's was probably lower. Let me guess. 536. Oh, gross. It is gross. Over five. Come on, man. Touch some grass. This episode is brought to you by Connect Roasters. Go to connectroasters.com for the best coffee in the world. Compound code compound club for 25% off your first uh, subscription order. Compound 15 for 15% off site wide. Connectroasters.com. I'm getting my coffee shipped to Arizona so that I can have it when I get there. Are you going to have some in the cafeteria for everybody like you did? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was just making calls today. Nice. I called our chef and I said, hey, chef, I heard the coffee's not there. What's going on? Okay, we need Connect Roasters. How are we going to fuel the players? And it is noticeably different how much better that is versus like the standard dude, cup of I, coffee dude, they make. I'm telling oh. you. The clubhouse coffee puts some hair on your chest, dude. <laughs> It puts some hair on your chest. It'll make you a man, but like yes. you'll enjoy Motor the Connect oil. Roasters. Petroleum, quite a bit more. The petroleum will get you ready for those <laughs> meetings in spring. <laughs> That's episode 194 of the Compound Podcast presented by Connect Roasters. We will see you next week.